Hello and welcome to the rest of season top 150 show week five edition. My name is Adam Levitan. Each and every Wednesday, we will be here to discuss, you guessed it, our rest of season top 150 rankings, how that plays into the season long trade market, rest of season best ball markets, buy lows, sell highs, etc., etc. For this today, I am joined by two members of our projections team, Mark Dankenbring and Jack Miller. Mark, how's it going today? It's going well. Hard to believe we're in October and heading into week five already. I feel like it's been a fast first month of the season, um, but you know things are going well, so happy to be here. Jack, how's it going today? Yeah, also can't believe it's October. Um, like Mark said, quick first month of the season. Now it kind of starts to, to get into grind mode, but excited to, to talk rest of the season. Each week, we do a set of rest of season top 150 rankings. We put a ton of work into this. Our entire team chips in, led by Mark. We take it very, very seriously. You can get access to these rankings through DraftKit Pro or in-season package. Be sure you stay tuned to the end of this show. We'll throw out some trade slash, slash transaction ideas we have. We'll also be taking your questions. If you do not have an in-season package yet, you can rectify that. Get access to all our content, projections, rankings, all the shows, top 150, rest of season, etc. Head to stoppagetherun.com forward slash subscribe. And, and the NBA season is almost upon us. If it was up to me, NBA season actually would not start until Christmas week or so. I don't think they wanted, they should be competing with the beginning of NFL, but is what it is. NBA draft kit is live. I repeat, if you're playing fantasy hoops this season, our NBA draft kit led by Gallagher and Dink is indeed live. All right. Big stories this week, guys, is the potential return of a lot of guys off of IR. No, I'm not talking about Jeff Wilson, which maybe we should talk about, but people are much more interested in Cooper Cup and Jonathan Taylor. This plays into so many different things. You know, if Cooper Cup is healthy, how does it affect Nakua? How does it affect, affect Kyron Williams? How does it affect Matthew Stafford? Tutu, these guys have all been very, very good fantasy players so far this season. The latest report on Cooper Cup is that he is quote unquote pushing to play this week against the Eagles. They don't know if he's going to, but he's pushing to play this week against the Eagles. Now, if he can't, the good news is that sounds like this was not nearly as serious as once feared, and he'll probably be back if he doesn't play this week by week, week six or week seven. Mark, how have we been thinking about Ram stuff in the rest of season top 150 now that we know Cooper Cup is at least close? There's a lot to digest here. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just kind of go one by one here. I think with Cooper Cup at the top, I, I you know, if he's healthy against the uh, against the Eagles, like and playing, I, I think, you know, you kind of have to slot him into the low end wide receiver one conversation immediately. Again, this is, you know, you know, kind of a record setting fantasy wide receiver thrust right back into, I would guess, a similar role, you know, with Matthew Stafford at quarterback. Stafford's been balling thus far. So you have to feel confident just kind of in the overall state of the Rams that cup is, can slide back in and, and be successful. I think, you know, looking at the rest of the team, Puka Nakua is, is clearly, I think, the wide receiver probably to be most affected by this. He currently leads the NFL with 52 targets. And when you look at the guys behind him, it's all, you know, first and second round wide receivers for the most part. So Puka's just been an absolute smash. I, I do think Puka will still be a wide receiver too when, you know, cup returns. And, and I think initially too, like we, Cup, there's probably a chance he plays, I don't know, maybe two-thirds of the routes. He's probably not going to be a full-time player. I would imagine they ease him in a little bit. But I do think Puka is still a wide receiver, too. 
Um, and then, you know, two, two out well, I think. Yeah. Let me, let me stop you. Let me stop you there real quick because the argument Mark is that, well, Puka and Cooper cup play the same position. And so once cup comes back, Puka is totally dead. I just want to be clear. I don't think I agree with that. I think Puka can actually play outside. I would note that this year Puka has played 181 snaps outside 82 in the slot. And this past week in week four, Puka was out wide 59 snaps in the slot for 19. In other words, they can put Cooper Cup back in his slot role and keep Puka on the outside. Now, will Puka be getting 10, 15, 20 targets in a game with Cooper Cup back? Probably not. Am I 100% convinced Cooper Cup can sustain health for the rest of the season? No, I, I, I am not either. So I didn't mean to cut you off, Mark, but I just wanted to be clear that I don't think people should be like full-blown panic on Puka. And just to service the audio listener here, if you're watching this on YouTube, you see our rankings for all the Rams guys. We still have Cooper uh, Puka Nakua 31st overall, even with the pending return of Cooper Cup. So yeah, I just want to put that out there, Mark. But yeah, any thoughts on that? And then you can keep going. Well, yeah, thankfully, I, I think there's enough to go around because the Rams right now are six in the NFL and, and pass rate over expectation. So they're throwing the ball a lot. Again, Stafford's been playing super well. It's, it's a little fragile. You know, we saw him uh, bang up his hip a little bit this past week. So it obviously kind of rides on him continuing to be healthy to support this offense. But I do think that, you know, Cup, Nakua, and then Kyron Williams, who we've seen emerge as kind of a low-end RB1. I think, you know, we can uh, – Leone in our Slack was saying, wow, I'm surprised the Rams have a 23-point team total against the Eagles. Like, I think this offense is going to score a lot, and there, there's enough to go around. It should be relatively concentrated. So I think with Cup, Puka, and, and Kyron, those guys are all, you know, weekly starters as long as Stafford's healthy. Yeah, I've heard some people, Jack, say, oh, we need to be selling – Kyron Williams, this workload is ridiculous. He's going to get hurt. He's not going to be as efficient. I don't know, man. Like, this role is so, so, so good. And we have seen this before with Sean McVay, where he, like, latches onto a running back and just rides this guy into the ground. That's what he's doing with Kyron Williams right now. I mean, I don't like to, like, say, oh, guys are definitely going to get hurt. Obviously, the more you touch the football – the more likely you are to get hurt, but that would not be a reason for me to be selling Kyron. We still have Kyron 36 overall. I could make a case for him to be even higher too, given the role. I don't know, Jack, how would you be handling Kyron right now if you had him? Yeah, I, I think there's a little, a little concern about if the Rams like add someone or start to move away from him because he, he hasn't been particularly efficient so far with 3.8 yards per carry, 4.6 yards per target, but I think we have like multiple years of evidence at this point that Sean McVay just loves Kyron Williams. So at this point, I'm not super worried about that despite the inefficiency. Um, but I, I think that the fact that he is so inefficient um, so far at least keeps the possibility open that he doesn't sustain this workload the entire season. But I think the most likely outcome is that the Rams just ride Kyron uh, until the wheels fall off, basically. Agreed. I mean, I've seen people like, oh, they're going to trade for for Jonathan Taylor. That would, I mean, shock me. We'll get to Jonathan Taylor in a second here, but there's just absolutely no reason for the Rams to trade for Jonathan Taylor. And by the way, I mean, we had on good information last year prior to week one, before the 2022 season prior to week one, the Rams actually wanted to feature Kyron Williams, but he got hurt on the opening kickoff opening night, never really materialized. For him, last thing on the Rams is the 2-2 stuff because 2-2 has been a godsend. I have a bunch of 20th round 2-2 in best ball, and it's been great. I'm worried that if slash when Cup comes back, 2-2 is actually going to be squeezed because they love giving Van Jefferson routes. And my God, I Van Jefferson's like, I I don't know, man. I don't think they should play Van Jefferson at all. I think the three wide receiver sets should be Cup, 
Nakua and Tutu, but I'm not convinced that Sean McVay is actually going to take Van Jefferson off the field. So any Tutu thoughts here, Mark? I think he'll probably play over Van Jefferson once Cooper Cup comes back. Just again, I mean, you know, he was a second round pick for the Rams. It's not like like they do like Van Jefferson. You know, he's been on the team for several years now and, and certainly a reliable asset for them. But I, I think I think we've seen an emergence from Tutu that puts him above Van Jefferson in the pecking order. So, uh, you know, I, I think he's probably fourth in line on the team in targets, which is which is never great, you know, for fantasy. But again, they are throwing the ball a ton. I think, you know, maybe he's he's in the wide receiver four, wide receiver five range. And and again, yeah. you mentioned like I don't know how how secure we feel about Cooper Cup staying healthy the whole season. So I, I think he's probably more of a bench stash and see how it plays out. But I'm I'm optimistic that he'll play over over Van Jefferson. Uh, you said Van Jefferson's been a reliable asset. He's been reliably sucking for the Rams. All right, let's <laughs> let's be clear uh, on Van Jefferson. Okay, the other big story is that Jonathan Taylor. We're recording this Wednesday around 1 p.m. Eastern. Jonathan Taylor, from what I can tell, sounds like he's going to be at practice today, which is like stunning to me. Like he's just going to walk back into practice like nothing happened. I don't know that I buy this. Like, oh, nothing. <laughs> I, I told the owner to F off and uh, I, I didn't show up to work. And then, uh, but now I'm just going to walk back into work. I mean, I don't know, man. I don't know that it's actually going to go down like that. I feel like there has to be some concessions on some side whether it's financial or whatever. So I'm keeping a close eye on this. Obviously, I don't think Jonathan Taylor has any leverage. We have installed Jonathan Taylor back in at 34th overall here. Jack, I think we're all guessing at this point, but how do you think the JT situation plays out? And if you have Zach Moss, you have Jonathan Taylor, how are you handling that? Yeah, I, I definitely agree that we're all guessing and it's not like, we have some, you know, amazing read on, on what's going to happen with this Jonathan Taylor saga. There was a report a week or two ago that his stance hasn't really changed and he still wants out of Indianapolis. So it is pretty interesting to see him just walk, presumably walk into practice today. Um, they have three weeks to activate him. Um, he's still not on the active roster, so we're not going to get any like official media stuff from, from Jonathan Taylor until that happens. Um, but I, I think as long as Jonathan Taylor is on the Colts, I'm not that optimistic about him just because of the the severed ties, the, the severed relationship he seems to have with the team. I think that if he gets in any way dinged up, he'll probably just rest and, and try to get to 100% with an eye on, on a long-term deal next offseason. Um, and I don't even know if they're going to give him like a full Jonathan Taylor workload if they know that he doesn't really want to be there and he's not um, not in the team's like long-term plans. Yeah, I had a fade on Jonathan Taylor even before all this contract stuff popped up. Like I wasn't taking him where he was going in round two. And that was when I assumed he was going to play 17 games. You know, um, my concern, of course, is that with Anthony Richardson there, you're going to lose a lot of the goal line work with Jonathan Taylor, quite frankly, has been reliant on because he's not that good in the past game. We did see uh, Zach Moss get four carries from inside the five yard line, which I think is encouraging for JT stuff. Assuming he's back on the team this past week, didn't convert any of them, but yeah, I, you know, I, I'm not like falling all over myself on the JT stuff. I would definitely still be holding Zach Moss too. again, not a lot of leverage for JT, but he needs to play, I believe six games or something like that. I mean, he could do some crazy stuff, man. I mean, he could play six games and walk off the field. I mean, who knows what JT, uh, can do at this point. Any other comments on Indy you want to make, Mark, before we move on? 
Well, I, I, I certainly am a little excited about Jonathan Taylor just because Zach Moss has been a top 15 running back. And certainly when you just look at talent profile and, and the setup of this offense and how they were featuring Zach Moss, like if you slot Jonathan Taylor into that role, I, I do think he would immediately be an RB1. There's certainly a lot of concern around, you know, the whole situation. So I understand that. But in terms of the upside here, it's, it's I think it's a gamble at this point. I'm willing to take, but, but maybe I'm a fool there believing that the situation will work itself out. Yeah, I, you know, obviously we have um, a lot of information to gather here on the JT situation. Speaking of guys coming back, I mentioned Jeff Wilson. I want to talk about Miami for a second here. Jeff Wilson's return, I think, is interesting or probable return. We don't know he's for sure coming back. I think he'll be back relatively soon. But I do think that Wilson is like more in the Raheem Mostert role and Devon Achan has his own role now. And I think where we have that reflected in the rest of the season, top 150, where we have Achan, 49th overall, Raheem Mostert down at 68 overall. And then I also want to get to the Waddle stuff because it has not been great for Waddle. Mark, why don't you start with the running back situation in Miami? I'm actually not even convinced that Jeff Wilson's really going to get many touches here. I do think like if he did, it would come mostly from Mostert. But you know, this past week, we saw Devon Achan take the lead in terms of snaps and touches in that backfield against the Bills. You know, they were in a trailing game script, so it still remains to be seen if Mostert will be the the 1A and when they're leading. Um, and they're likely to lead against the Giants this upcoming week, so we'll probably get an answer there. But uh, I, I certainly, you know, I think both Mostert and Achan are much more talented than Jeff Wilson and and I think should be, you know, the top two there. So I'm, I'm really not too concerned and uh, would more so be in the camp of, being concerned about Raheem Mostert, but again, he was he was my sell uh, high on this show last week, so he he's one I've been more worried about here for a couple of weeks. Uh, Jalen Waddle, Jack. I mean, it has not been great. He missed a game due to the concussion. Tyreek's hog targets in the game this past week. Waddle was unable to really separate from a target perspective, even when two, even when Tyreek was not getting targets. Now. We expect Jalen Wild to be very, very efficient, right? He doesn't need 10 targets in a game to be a very good player. We have dropped him down in the rest of the season top 150, though, to 38th overall. Jack, if you had Jalen Waddle, what would you be doing now? And actually, I've heard some people call Jalen Waddle a buy low, which I thought was interesting, too. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm honestly not overly worried about Waddle. The efficiency is still there. Um, he's actually more efficient on a per-target basis than last year, but his he's only at a 14.5% uh, target share. He was right under 20% last year, so the volume is the problem. But I, I think at this point, we have a pretty big sample size of Jalen Waddell earning targets. Like we saw all of last year, him next to Tyree Kill, and he was getting 19, 20% of targets. So I'm not really panicking to a month stretch where he has uh, a 14.5% target share with largely maybe not the same personnel, but like going from Gesicki to Durham Smythe and, and Trent Sherfield to Braxton Berrios isn't like make or break for Jalen Waddle. So I'm leaning, I'm fine leaning into the bigger sample um, with what we saw last year because Tyreek's target share is, is pretty similar too. It's not like he's all of a sudden getting, getting 35% of targets. So I think Waddle um, is going to rebound. Yeah. I mean, Waddle has no touchdowns. Waddle has not caught more than four balls in a game. He hasn't topped 86 yards in a game this year. I, I think it's an interesting spot to buy low on Waddle, still a 24-year-old ascending wide receiver and awesome, awesome offense. Wanted to go to Lions stuff here, Mark. First, we have Jameson Williams returning off of 
suspension. Talked a bunch about that with Silva and with Sam on the last two shows. We also made the move to bring David Montgomery up above Jameer Gibbs. And like, maybe I'm an outlier. I don't think that one is particularly close. I strongly prefer David Montgomery. I mean, do you guys not like touchdowns? Is that why we have we have Jameer Gibbs uh, so close to David Montgomery? Because I like touchdowns. And I don't think it's a fluke at all that uh, Jamal Williams scored 17 last year. David Montgomery has five rushing touchdowns in three games this year. Yeah, there's some luck in where guys get pushed out. But when this team is inside the five-yard line, they don't run tush-push. They don't throw very much. In, part, in fact, they barely throw. They're the most run-heavy team in the entire NFL in the red zone. And so Dave Montgomery is like, to me, he's the feature back and Gibbs is the satellite back. And why would they change that? They're, they're, they're winning. I mean, they're playing good offense and they're winning. So, um, yeah, I know you think probably Montgomery and Gibbs are closer. Mark, any thoughts on that? And then I did want to get your guys' take on the Jamison stuff. In terms of the backfield, I mean, it's like I understand the Gibbs take you know, like not being super excited about him, but they did spend what the 12th overall pick on him. So I think if he was, you know, late first, like early second pick, uh, second round pick, then we wouldn't be as, as eager to crown him over David Montgomery. But when the team signals that it, it's hard to ignore, I certainly think, you know, the play on the field is, is probably more impactful. And, and like you said, David Montgomery is getting all the looks inside the 10 when both are active. Gibbs did get some in that, in the week, David Montgomery is out, but certainly when both are healthy, it, it feels like Demont is certainly ahead there. Um, in terms of Jamison Williams, you know, he's he's someone I do want to believe in as well, but I'm also a little skeptical. Last season, you know, he was coming back from an ACL tear, um, but he was really eased in. I mean, his his highest snaps played in a game was 25% last year, which is just not going to get it done. You know, had one catch all season. So while well, I want to believe in him there just with the talent profile and how he dominated it at Alabama and, you know, first round wide receiver, again, draft capital, there and the Lions do need an explosive playmaker to kind of take the lid off the defense. So he he you know kind of fits fits the bill quite well in this offense. But I'm I'm worried that the role is going to be underwhelming. And at this point, I, I think it's interesting that you know he could be more of a sell high if people are super excited about him getting his suspension reduced and he's back early. And you know people kind of uh, didn't spend the the pick that they would would have needed to if you know we knew he was only going to miss four games. So I would lean kind of sell high on on Jamison Williams at this point, but. Uh, the upside is certainly tantalizing. A couple of things. First on Jamison Williams, he played 78 offensive snaps last year and caught one ball, right? That, that's scary. You know, you played 78 snaps, which is like more than a full game. You caught one ball. However, however, he was coming off the ACL and man, they need him this year. Everything is so close to the line of scrimmage. Gibbs targets are close to the line of scrimmage. Amon Ra's targets are close to the line of scrimmage. Laporta's targets are close to the line of scrimmage. I mean, Jamison Williams is such a good fit. He was unbelievable at Alabama in his final year there. I mean, it's the kind of player that I, I want to make bets on, but I don't know that I'm necessarily like trading for him. I've been stashing him in a couple spots for sure on the Montgomery Gibbs stuff. I mean, maybe I'm biased, man. I just thought that like all my best, best ball teams are ones that's started with Dave Montgomery as my first running back selected. I, you know, and like Dave Montgomery in round seven and like, you know, Brian Robinson or James Cook or something like that as my, as my RB2. I mean, to me, that was like the best way to build when I could make it work. And so, I don't know. I'm biased towards Dave Montgomery, but is what it is. Jack, any Lions comments here before we move on? Yeah, I, I agree with you guys on Jamison Williams, the, where I, I think on JMO, the median outcome is not very high. 
um, given, you know, how much he played last year and, and one catch or target or whatever on 78 snaps. Um, but I do think that his range of outcomes is like as wide as basically anyone. And there is like a, a path to him being like a top 24 receiver over the second half of the season. Um, so I, I think if you've held Jamison this long, I probably would not be selling him. Um, and I think that they are going to ease him in since it wasn't just the, the suspension for gambling. He also had a hamstring injury. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a, a decent chance he doesn't play all that much this week. And then he could be on waivers again in, in two weeks. And if we start to see that that snap share is ramping up, um, I'd be pretty interested in adding him. I think that's a good point because, yeah, he missed a lot of camp with the hamstring issue. And then this whole month, he wasn't even allowed to talk to the team. He wasn't allowed to talk to the coaches, wasn't allowed to be in the facility. So I totally agree. He's going to be eased in slowly here. Would not want to start Jameson Williams out of the gate. For those of you who don't know, Mark is a Bengals laundry bro. Uh, he I'm, eats not, I'm not. He, he eats chili. <laughs> He's, he's, he's from Cincinnati, all this stuff. We need Mark's laundry bro take on what you would be doing if you're holding the bag right now on Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Joe Burrow, because those are some heavy bags because those guys were very, very expensive in drafts. If you have Chase, Higgins, Burrow, Mark, how are you handling it right now? Well, my friends are gonna be are gonna be pissed that you call me a Bengals fan because I'm not not a Bengals fan despite being from Cincinnati. I, I won't get into the the uh, reasons, but anyway, um, yeah. In terms of the Bengals and fantasy, I'm 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 really worried here, and I, I don't know if I'm overreacting to the bad game against Tennessee, um, but I, I just think like the I don't know with when I look at Joe Burrow and how this offense has been successful over the years and and why Joe Burrow is a good quarterback. It's because he can maneuver within the pocket, extend plays and hit deep shots down the field and at this point with his health and his calf like I just don't really envision that happening um, anytime soon you know I I would be in favor of them sitting him down for a few weeks potentially through the bye and hopefully like towards the end of the season stretch I would be more optimistic that the Bengals offense is going to come around but if they keep playing him through this I'm worried that it's just going to be mediocre results you know week in and week out and I, I do like the, the talent on this offense is obviously, you know, very exciting. And, and like Jamar Chase is, I, I still feel confident in, in Chase just because the way he is operating in this offense right now is, you know, they're getting him the ball and letting him eat with yards after the catch. But in terms of T Higgins, like his play style is, is more contested catches deep down the field. Again, with Burrow extending plays and pushing it down the field, he's not going to, you know, be a great yards after catch guy and, and volume receiver. So um, I'm definitely worried, you know, obviously Joe Burrow is, is last in the NFL in yards per attempt. Like it is, I just think the warning signs are there and, and I don't know when it's going to get better. So unless someone can tell me like a plan on, you know, Burrow playing through this and him being healthy, coming out healthy at some point, I, I just don't want to believe in Joe Burrow when he's, you know, playing at what, like 75%. I, I just think it's, it's a bad situation right now. I mean, in fairness to Burrow outside of chase, they don't really have like truly explosive players you like you mentioned Tegan's more of a uh, contested catch guy Joe Mixon has not been explosive in a long time Tyler Boyd is your normal slot guy and like yeah it's hard I, I think if you're going to tell me that you think Joe Burrow is going to play like this for the whole season I just can't see it I it's the calf is going to get healthier he's going to find a way to to like play better through this calf thing, he's going to get some different kind of rehab. He's going to have a bye week coming up, I believe, in week seven. Like, I don't think that it's going to be like this forever on Joe Burrow. We still have Jamar Chase ninth 
Overall, we did make a bigger dock on T. Higgins, which I agree with, given the rib injury and the way he wins down to 47th overall. So, yeah, you know, I, I don't think I'd be selling low on Jamar Chase. If someone wanted to give me something for T. Higgins right now, I would listen. But it's really hard to envision anyone giving up anything close to value for T. Higgins, given the injury and the way they've played this year. I did try to add Tyler Boyd in a couple spots this week off of waivers. Mark, I'm sorry, Jack. Last question before we get into the listener questions is on the Giants. I mean, this was an epic meltdown in an island game. I don't think it's as bad as it seems, but my God, Daniel Jones took 10 sacks against the Seahawks who don't even have a good pass rush. It was absolutely hideous. We still have a couple guys here in the back end. One Dale, 146 overall. Matt Breida, 149 overall. The Saquon bags are starting to feel a bit heavy. The Waller bags are feeling really, really heavy. We chopped Waller down 30 spots in the rankings this week. Jack, if you're holding Darren Waller, how would you be handling stuff on the Giants? Yeah, I mean, I, I, after the game he had on Monday night, I don't really think anyone's going to be trading for Darren Waller. So I, I think you kind of are just forced into holding him. Um he still has a 17% target share on the season. And before last week, it was in the 20s. So I still think that he's going to get volume. He might. He probably isn't going to be the guy that the Giants beat writers were hyping him up to be during the preseason. But tight end is such a wasteland. He's still the primary read. So I, I think, and no one's going to trade for him. Like you're not going to get a whole bunch for Darren Waller right now. I think you're just kind of forced into holding. Um, we do have Wondell Robinson. At 146, I think he's a pretty interesting ad. He's probably on waivers in a lot of leagues. Um, but he, Darius Slayton remained the the primary guy in terms of routes. He had 44 routes, but Wando Robinson was second with 32 routes. And we have a lot of evidence that he's a super high targets per route run guy. It looks like he's overtaking Paris Campbell as the primary slot. He had a 17.5% target share. So I, I think he's a pretty good ad right now. Um, and besides, it's a gross offense, or at least yeah. it has been so far. But Besides Waller and Barkley, I do think Wandale is worth adding. Uh, I mean, Wandale, I think, is going to give you a lot of like five for 40 lines and like five for 35 and, and six for 42 and stuff like that. You know, where he's working is like JSN, Rondale, Moore range, uh, which is hard to have explosive plays on. But I agree that I think in full PPR, especially, you know, if you need five, six catches, um, Wandale at least has a chance to give that to you. The tight end position is just such a mess. We're going to get to some of these tight end questions and the listener question, but you know, Darren Waller is still like four for 50 and a touchdown will be one of the best tight end weeks of the week. Right. And like, I think that's very well in the range of outcomes for Waller. So I would not be panic dropping Waller. If someone wanted to give me, uh, wanted to give Waller away for free, I would for, for something on somebody on my bench, I would be uh, at least listening to that. All right, let's get to some of your questions here. Appreciate everyone who sent them in via Twitter. Let's go to the FF Gator. He says, should I be moving on from Dallas Goddard for someone like Jake Ferguson? It seems as if Goddard is the forgotten man in the Eagles offense so far. I, the way Goddard's being used has been so weird to me. It's been so short. He's been getting like screen passes, which normally is fine, but he's not getting any like seam stuff. I don't really see a big difference in the offense this year. Why that would be Mark. Do you have a Goddard take in the people now? And would you be dropping Goddard for Jake Ferguson? And by the way, Jake Ferguson has had a quietly, a really nice role. 
I don't think I would be dropping Goddard. I do like adding Ferguson if, if there's room on your bench to roster both, but Goddard does lead all tight ends and routes. So he, he's out there a ton. And, um, you know, certainly like the Eagles offense is going to run through AJ Brown and Devonta Smith, like no matter how talented Goddard is, you know, the, the, the talent outside that they have is going to reign supreme there. So, um, I, I, I do think Goddard, there was some coach speak from Nick Sirianni saying that he does like want Goddard to still be involved in the offense and, you know, they're going to, they're going to work to get him more involved, but uh, when you kind of take into account how much they run in the red zone with the tush push with Jalen Hurts, like we need we need touchdowns from our tight ends, plain and simple, to to really reach their ceiling in fantasy. And and at this point, he might be I don't know fourth on the list uh, in this offense, maybe fifth when it comes to potential touchdowns. So that that's my fear there. I, I'm not dropping Goddard though because he is out there a ton. We know he's talented. This is a great offense. If it's Devontae Smith or AJ Brown went down, I think he would easily be like yeah. a top three tight end. So it's you know it's I th I think it's going to get better. Yeah, I mean. Unlike a lot of teams, like the Commanders and stuff like that, they throw to so many different guys. The Eagles are still really only throwing to three guys. I mean, Zacchaeus and and Quez Watkins are not getting a ton of looks. Running backs are not getting a ton of looks either. So I'm still pretty optimistic on Goddard. But yeah, I don't want to discount the role that Jake Ferguson has. I'd rather have Goddard than Ferguson. But Ferguson's role is awesome. And they have not even had a normal game yet. Have the Cowboys. I'll get more into that in a second here. Jack Jerry asks, what should we do with Brees Hall? I have him on a team where I basically need to start him every week, but he's unreliable. Would you roll with Brees and pray for the best or move on from him? So hopefully you guys saw the report from, not report, the quote from Robert Saleh today. Saleh said, when asked about Brees Hall, there is no pitch count with him anymore. And that sends the fantasy Twitter community to a full 3.9 inches because they now believe because of that quote, Brees Hall is suddenly going to start getting 20 and 25 touches per game. I don't see it that way. Obviously, it's encouraging for Robert Sally to come out and say that. I don't necessarily see it that way. But to answer the question here, Jack, Jerry has Brees Hall. Can he start him every week? Or would you try to trade him off of these quotes here today? Yeah, I mean, I'd be holding him. He plays the Broncos this week. The Sally quotes are, are really encouraging so far. Uh, I mean, the, the past couple of weeks, Brees Hall is out snapping Dalvin Cook like two to one. There's definitely room for that to increase, especially given that Dalvin's averaging two and a half yards per carry on the year. Michael Carter is still playing long down and distance stuff. Um, Brees Hall obviously excelled in that as a rookie. So there, there's, a, there's a lot of room for this workload to expand. Um, and, and I think it will. I don't think it's he's going to go out there suddenly and get like the, the Christian McCaffrey, Kyron Williams workload. But I, I do think that by the end of the season, he, he could be getting a lot of touches. Um, and the, the quotes today are a step in the right direction. My primary question with Brees Hall I, I isn't even really about the workload. It's about Zach Wilson and whether he can keep this offense, um, you know, get this be confident enough so that Brees Hall has scoring opportunities. Um, but I think things are, are looking up for Brees workload wise. And it's an ideal matchup this week. The quotes from Saleh are, a great sign. Um, so I would be holding Brees. Yeah. You know, maybe this will look bad. We have a big sample of Zach Wilson belonging in Safeway. And people are going to extrapolate one comeback against the Chiefs at home and say that he can play now. I don't think so, man. I don't think so. And I also think that, you know, unless they remove Michael Carter from pass downs, Brees Hall's ceiling is going to be capped because it's going to take some heart to fully bench Dalvin Cook, you know? And I'm not sure the Jets have 
the heart to do so. They massively overpaid Dalvin Cook to come there. Now they realize that he sucks. It's going to take some heart to t- just sit him down and be like, well, now you're going to get two or three carries a game. I, I don't see that happening either. And so if Michael Carter's not going to go away and Dalvin's not going to go away and Zach Wilson can go back into a pumpkin, I still have my concerns on Brees Hall. Now for this week, I mean, the Broncos defense is looking historically bad. I would probably try to wait until after this week to move him, but I still feel like Brees Hall is not the guy um, for this season. But, you know, that could look really bad. If they get a quarterback, I think Brees is a, is going to smash, you know, if they get a real quarterback. I, I'm not buying the Zach Wilson Chiefs game, though. All right. Uh, let's go to Sully, says. He's thinking about offering Kyron Williams for Jalen Waddell. I'm aiming too low. I have two other starting runbacks. He's trying to replace Mike Williams. Interesting. I think you already mentioned Jalen Waddle is a possible buy low. Mark, what do you think about Kyron buy low? You're asking, you're giving up a lot. I mean, you know, I think we all agree Kyron is an awesome asset. For sure. Kyron's been amazing. Hard to hard to say anything negative about his role and, and how he's performed. Um, this is interesting. I do think Waddle, like you could maybe at, try and get someone a little better, like a Brandon Ayuk or Devontae Smith, since AJ Brown's been been crushing there, I think are other potential options kind of around um, where Kyron is in our rankings. I do think like if you want, you know, if you want to tell yourself that Cooper Cup comes back and and takes a bunch of targets that have been going to Kyron and, um, you know, maybe the workload gets to him, like I, I could see trading, making that trade. It's that that's kind of a coin flip for me. I would probably, man, I'd probably keep Kyron. But um, if you if you have other options, like at running back, I, I you know, I could see making that deal for Waddle. I, I, I do lean, you know, Waddle being a buy low right now. Yeah, I think Waddle's a buy low, but I, you know, the running back position, it's so hard to get guys like Kyron who have this kind of usage. I would probably be asking for Waddle plus uh, on the Kyron side. Um, B. Newell had a question. He says he needs a tight end bad. He had Fryermuth and he need, and he has running back depth. Should he trade David Montgomery for Darren, Darren Waller or Kenneth Walker for Hawkinson? Just zooming out here, guys. Like, I personally think if you have dust at tight end, you're streaming it's better than giving up awesome assets like Dave Montgomery and Kenneth Walker. Like it, it's tight end, man. You know, most chances are you're going to go into your game in a week. Uh, and the tight end you're playing against is not going to do anything. That's just the most likely scenario. So, you know, I'd much rather have Montgomery or Walker than Waller or Hawkinson. I understand you need a tight end. I would just be trying to stream it in, you know, see what's on the waiver wire. Just try to stream it in or see if you can give up something way, way less. Uh, Jason says, I was offered Anthony Richardson and David Montgomery for Trevor Lawrence and Kyron Williams. Any thoughts there? This is quarterback, quarterback, running back, running back trade here, Jack. I personally think that Anthony Richardson is a clear step ahead of Trevor Lawrence. And I also love David Montgomery too. But yeah, what do you think about this one, Jack? AR-15 and Montgomery for T-Law and Kyron Williams. Yeah, I think I lean toward the Anthony Richardson side, um, mostly because I don't think I th- I mean, Kyron is obviously better than Montgomery, but I don't think it's that big of a gap. Um, but I do think that Anthony Richardson is a pretty significant upgrade over Lawrence. So I, I would lean that direction. Uh, Rafferty says, what's a good return on trading Devon Achan, Mark? Well, Mark uh, uh, doesn't want to trade. Devon Achan. Mark's been on Devon Achan since preseason and uh, secretly uh, sleeps next to pictures of Devon Achan. <laughs> so he's probably the wrong guy to ask here. But Mark, 
what do you think is a good return on trading Devon Achen? I'd probably be asking for a, a top 15 wide receiver in return. Um, I mean, it's it's certainly an easy sell right now after he has six touchdowns in, in two games. So um, I, I would be aiming high. Again, I, I would love to have Achan on, on my roster the rest of the season. So I'm, unless I'm getting like a locked in wide receiver that I know is a, a huge upgrade on the rest of the options on my roster, then I probably wouldn't trade Achan. So yeah, I, I would shoot for a, a top 15 wide receiver. Um, and you can check out the rankings to, to see who qualifies for that. Yeah. I, you know, I understand Devon Achan had two more touchdowns on Sunday. He still only touched the ball 11 times, you know, and he was out there a ton. So, you know, I don't think that they want to give Devon Achan or can give Devon Achan 15, 18, 19 carries touches on a consistent basis. I still think that he's going to be the one B when they're winning games. Uh, and one A when they're trailing, you know. So I, I don't want to get too crazy on the Devon Achan and stuff, even though I absolutely love him. And I think it's sometimes hard for me to like get my head around these efficiency guys where, yeah, he's only gonna touch the ball 10 times, but he's gonna be so outrageously efficient that I need to be higher on him. It's hard for me on those guys. And maybe HN is one of those guys, but yeah. Uh good question here from Brad. He says, What can we reasonably what can we reasonably expect for Alexander Madison? Should we be selling as fast as possible? I mean, it's kind of gone as expected for Alexander Madison. He, he's he been a little bit worse than I thought he would be. Um, but especially with like the fumbles and some of the goal line conversion stuff, I thought he'd be fine there. He's been historically good at the goal line, historically good at, at not fumbling. And he's like the running back 20. I mean, he, he's been fine. He's averaging over four yards per carry. It's just like getting dragged along by the offense and volume was kind of the thesis of the play. Nothing has really changed on Alexander Madison. But yeah, if you wanted to sell on him now, I think you can, Jack. I mean, I thought 18 to 7 opportunities was Alexander versus Akers last week. I think that's going to be pretty sticky. So yeah, what do you think, Jack, about the Madison stuff right now? Yeah, Akers did get some of the short yardage um, and some snaps near the goal line, which is a, li a little bit concerning um, because if he starts taking over that role, then, then Madison obviously is kind of drawing dead uh, for touchdowns. But I think it was encouraging to see him actually play pretty well for once um, and just to see him still keep Akers at, uh, in arm's length. So I, I don't think he's a must sell, but I think if I, I think there's probably a lot of people who see his expected fantasy points or whatever, some of these stats, um, and, and think that he's like an amazing trade target right now. So if you can get one of those people, then I think he's he's a fine guy to trade. Um, but it's not like I'm trying to get him off my roster at all costs or anything. What Jack is saying is that if you have a spreadsheet virgin in your league who looks at expected fantasy points, Alexander Madison's expected fantasy points on a week-to-week -week basis is massive because he gets so many targets and, not so many targets, he gets targets and goal line work and he plays a ton. Uh Alex says, is Keenan Allen a sell high age model? Seemingly gets hurt every year. And Mike Williams is out. Perhaps defense's game plan to stop him. So certainly a disappointing game for Keenan Allen last week uh, there against the Raiders. But man, I mean, Eckler coming back, I think makes a huge difference to Keenan Allen. But this is not a guy I really want to be selling. I don't think, Mark, we still have him 11th overall. Any thoughts on selling high on Keenan Allen? I get the I get the thesis there that you know he's old and has does have a injury history, but I mean you drafted him probably in the fourth round, and and now I think he's a first round talent uh, the rest of the season. So I, I would lean holding Keenan um, unless you can get again just a, another like top six 
wide receiver in return, but I'm, I'm not sure people are going to be doing that flip at this point. I, I still think it's, it's wheels up for Keenan, even with Eckler, you know, coming back after the buy. All right. I want to get to our moves to make. We're just going to give two before I do. So be sure if you're watching on YouTube, look at this graphic that is, that is uh, covering Jack's face right now. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. In season content is indeed live. Also, if you're watching this on YouTube or listening on pod feed, please hit the subscribe button. It is indeed free helps us out a ton. All right. We'll go around the horn here. My moves to make last week were by Christian Watson, which he got a touchdown, thankfully, to, for my family, but didn't have a great game, although he only ran about around about half of the dropbacks. We're expecting to run way more this week. So hopefully good things coming for Christian Watson. And my other move to make last week was sell Brown's pass game, which considering Deshaun Watson didn't even play, uh, I guess looks good. Um, my first one this week, I think is a layup, but... Maybe it's not because I've heard some people getting frustrated. Mine is by Tony Pollard. We have Tony Pollard fourth, I repeat, fourth overall in the top 150. And I've heard plenty of people who are tilted. Tony Pollard, now that he's the feature back, isn't as efficient. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, Tony Pollard, you know, uh, he, he's, he hasn't gotten me enough points. Tony Pollard's role is incredible. Dallas has had the weirdest games, man. I mean, they have just scored so many defensive touchdowns. They've like got behind in that weird game to Arizona. I haven't seen anything to suggest Tony Pollard is not a complete smash. And I, if people are at all panicking on Tony Pollard, I would be trying to trade for him. I expect a normal game this week uh, against San Francisco, which obviously is not a good matchup. But after San Francisco, you know, if Dawson get in some of these normal games, they are going to set up for some higher scoring, more free flowing games. That I think is better for. Tony Pollard going forward. So 49ers this week, then Chargers, Rams, Eagles, Giants, Panthers, Commanders, Seahawks, Eagles, Bills, Dolphins, Lions. I mean, come on. Come on. These are going to be high scoring, hopefully normal games for Tony Pollard. Got to have Tony Pollard. I, I got to have him, man. And so, uh, yeah, I'd be trying to trade for Tony Pollard right now. For my first move, Jack, I give you the floor for your first move of the day yeah well my first move last week was to sell romeo dobbs and then he he went off so that we'll, we'll try to get back on track here um with with one that might seem a little weird i'm gonna do sell james cook uh he's the ppr rb12 right now so he's been putting up numbers he has 5.3 yards per carry so he's been good which we expected him to be from a rushing efficiency perspective um and he did score his first touchdown on a goal line carry but Josh Norris had some some really good context about how Cook scored his touchdown. Basically, Latavius Murray had a pretty big run to get him down there. They brought Cook back on the field, and then they ran no huddle uh, two or three plays in a row. And, and so James Cook just happened to still be out there while they were trying to, to get the Dolphins' defense off guard with some tempo. Um, and it, it, that just happened to get him a, a one-yard touchdown. And then James Cook also played zero third-down snaps. It was all Latavius Murray and Damian Harris last week and Latavius Murray out routed James Cook 13 to 9. So Cook has had some pretty decent receiving numbers this year, but for some reason they're using Latavius Murray in, in long down and distance. Um so I think if Cook is Cook is gonna be the team leader in carries and he's gonna be efficient, uh which is good, but he's been a low end PPR RB1 so far. And I, I think it's pretty hard for that to continue if Latavius is getting both goal line snaps and passing down snaps. 
Yeah, I, I think it's a really good point for people who are only looking at box scores or not seeing this stuff at all. I think the way that James Cook gets there is just the way you saw against Miami where this offense is so awesome. They score so many points, get so many yards that James Cook is in the mix. But yeah, you know, credit to Joe B, by the way, Joe Buscaglia, who covers the Bills for the Athletic. He was talking up Latavius Murray so much uh, in the preseason. And I was like, I love Joe B. He's probably right, but this guy is 34 years old, Latavius. I mean, are we really? And it's true. Latavius is out here playing a ton, having a big role for the Bills. Mark, go ahead with your first move to make. I'm going with Sell Adam Thielen. And uh, this is kind of a player I, I've been off of heading into the season. So maybe take it with a bit of a grain of salt there. But I mean, right now, Adam Thielen is, is you know, wide receiver one in PPR formats. And uh, I just don't think that's going to sustain. Again, he's 33 years old. We have seen a, a role change with him going into the slot more for Carolina, but there's also been, you know, some pretty, pretty legit, I think rumors and talking that the Panthers want to trade for a wide receiver one this season. And so like, if that happened, Thielen's stock would dive, you know, pretty quickly, I, I think just with not that much volume to go around on this team. Uh, and I, this is just a situation where I think he's valued probably a little too highly uh, based on his last few games. They, they've been great, no doubt, but I, I just kind of want to continue to bet against the 33 your old wide receiver with a, with a rookie quarterback um, who's getting there, you know, on volume alone when there's some potential injury and volume concerns coming to a head here soon. So I'd be selling Adam Thielen right now. All right. Sell on the aging one, Adam Thielen. My second move to make is going to be by Rasheed Rice. We have seen Rasheed Rice's route participation start to grow. Um, and it grew a lot in that blowout in week three. In week four, though, in a very close game, he ran around on about half of the dropbacks. Now, I don't think anyone on the Chiefs this season is going to end up running, you know, 90, 100% of the routes. But I've, from what I've seen, and I'm certainly no tape rope, Rasheed Rice strikes me as the best option they have right now at the wide receiver position. We have Rasheed Rice is the only Chiefs wide receiver we have in the top 150. And I mean, I think his role is going to continue to grow. I mean, I really do. And so at 135 overall, which is where we have Rasheed Rice, he should not be expensive to get. He's probably on waivers in some leagues out there. I'd be trying to add him and put him on my bench at a minimum. Want to have Rasheed Rice on the squad. Jack, go ahead with your second move to make. Yeah, I'm going to go with one of the guys we talked about earlier, and I'm going to say bye, Dallas Goddard. We have him uh, decently high in the top 150. But I don't think that your average fantasy player would have him. Um, you know, we had a question earlier about if, if you should drop Dallas Goddard completely. So I think that he's pretty dirt cheap in a lot of leagues right now. And I'd be looking to acquire him. We have It's kind of the same thesis as the Jalen Waddell earlier. We have a lot of evidence of Dallas Goddard being pretty involved in the Philadelphia passing game. Uh, it, it does flow through those top three of A.J. Brown. Devontae Smith and Goddard so much. I, I just cannot imagine that Goddard stays so uninvolved for the entire season. He has that contingent upside. Like we talked about, if something happens to uh, A.J. Brown or Devontae and the Sirianni has been talking up getting Dallas Goddard involved. There's been a couple instances in the past where A.J. Brown has been unhappy about his lack of targets and they just immediately force feed him the ball. So I, I think the squeaky wheel narrative um, is actually somewhat meaningful for, for Dallas Goddard. And I think that he's going to be more involved moving forward. So I, I think now is a pretty good time to get a, a mid to low end, probably a mid range tight end one, hopefully the rest of the season um, for almost free. All right. Bye Dallas Goddard. Mark, your final move to make. 
this one, you know, I, I went on a little bit of that rant against the Bengals earlier, and, and I'm going to kind of dig in here a little bit. And I think you should be selling low on T. Higgins, Joe Mixon, Joe Burrow. You know, J- Jamar Chase is really the only Bengals player I feel confident about starting in fantasy. And at this point, you know, Mixon, Burrow, and, and Higgins have been such failures that your team is probably in rough shape. Um, I don't think it's going to get that much better, you know, at least in the next couple of weeks. And then they have a buy in week seven and play San Francisco in week eight. So if you're one and three right now and, and desperate to try and turn it around, I don't think selling low on the Bengals is that bad of an idea. Um, you know, and then again, if you're playing kind of kind of go the other way here, if you're playing from ahead and, you know, three and one, four and oh, and, and teams are panicking, I do think like T Higgins is an interesting buy now and, and just stash and hopefully like towards the end of the season it pans out but overall I, i'd be selling low on the Bengals if you're if you have a bad record and, and need to turn things around because i don't think they're going to be valuable fantasy assets at least for the next few weeks all right mark is bailing on the cincinnati Bengals. that is going to do it for the week five rest of season top 150 show appreciate you all being here we'll be back tomorrow here, I'm going to talk to Ryan Reynolds about the awards markets, one of my favorite betting markets in the NFL side. Be sure to stay tuned for that. For Mark, for Jack, for producer Adam, I am at good luck, everybody. Mm-hmm.